Hi, we have Oblorde Ashigbi, and welcome to The Relationship Edge, a podcast where we explore the power of relationships in the private markets. I'm here today with a great friend and mentor of mine, Todd Eldridge. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this conversation, Oblorde. Oh, same here, same here. And so maybe to dive right in, you've had a super interesting path into investing. Someone with a BA in poetry and literature, a degree in geopolitical economics. But simply, how'd you get here? Yeah, great question. You know, I'll start with with the idea of the degree in poetry and literature. You know, when I was in school, music was a huge factor of mine. Even when people book time with me now, one of the questions I ask them on my Cannelly is, what's your favorite song? And so for me, there's a correlation between music and venture. When you look at founders as artists and you look at VCs as venture funds and you look at accelerators as like your Spotify, your SoundCloud, it's all interrelated. Um, but one of the things I learned from poetry and literature, even in getting my graduate degrees in, in economics, is that everything comes down to storytelling and telling a story. Stories tell, stories make people feel, they provide emotions. There's this idea that what people don't believe that stories impact our relationships and they do. And so I think that that's been beneficial in my pathway of being a venture capitalist and everything I do around the climate space. And, and I began my career as a banker uh, from Wells Fargo and UBS and went in there for making investments and being a founder myself. Uh, and, and then I became an investor. And I think the reason for that pathway is important is because I think as an investor, it made me more empathetic to the founder journey because I was one myself and I understood that. And so that's why I always say for me, uh, having that founder background, but having the quantitative background, but also having the storytelling background all wrapped into one, allow me to be an investor and really kind of be more a proponent for both founders as well as my own LPs. No, it makes a lot of sense. And both the analogy around founders as artists and the power of storytelling across all these domains, I think are you know, themes that I've heard in bits and pieces before, but I think you've wound together in a way I haven't quite heard uh, in the past, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and across that career journey you've described, right, especially today or maybe the past few jobs you've had, first at the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, now as GP at Include Ventures, you're someone who's clearly spent your career curating your community of relationships. I'd love to hear what your single biggest win or opportunity that's come your way as an investor that you can attribute back to the relationships you have. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I spent the last decade plus in the climate space, and you mentioned one of the organizations I represented and worked for was LACI, the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, which is the incubator for the city of Los Angeles. Um, and in that experience, what I've learned was that in the early days, this is pre-pandemic, I used to say when clean tech was a dirty word, um, there was not a lot of people who looked like, looked like a lot of us on this podcast and some of the folks listening to it that were in the positions for being both founders as well as investors. It was very, very um, under a market to where a lot of people that are in the climate space, it was very homogeneous for lack of a better word. And, and so, but I knew there were a lot of people making solutions in this space, both black and brown. And so we ended up founding this organization called Green Tech Noir uh, right at the top of the pandemic to collect a lot of these individuals there. And I think we started out as Slack. We started out as a simple community, no intentions, but just to get people together to be a convening. But what happened became so much more. It's been so much relationships, so many opportunities for me as an investor to invest in some of those companies, both in what I do would include, as well as the, the project I lead with an organization called Jobs for the Future, or GFF, in collaboration with Aries Capital Foundation. 
And so both of those opportunities, both include NJFF, allow me to utilize the network of both green tech noir, Latinx and sustainability, grinding the, grinding the green space to collect relationships with founders, other funders, and just other individuals. I would say though, too, it's been important for me, not just as an investor to invest in these companies, but to find talent, to place at other companies as well. One of the things we've said often is that in the past, we've seen startup companies become more than just startups. They were marketing agencies, influential agencies. And I think today you're going to see a lot of companies as talent agencies where they're developing a product, but they're also developing these leaderships that are leading that product who in turn will create their own product. It's like almost like a return to the PayPal mafia days, but you'll see a lot of different companies become ex-mafia or whatever the name may be because they're having those talented individuals that led product at their firm and they're branching out on their own. Yep, that makes total sense to me. And I definitely have already seen here in like the Chicago ecosystem, for example, what it looks like to have one success spawn a set of leaders or a set of people who've been a part of that prior success that they can go off and like leverage the relationships they've built, the reputation that they've gained, the expertise that they have to go build the next thing for sure. Um, I should be curious if you have like a particular example of maybe like a deal or like a introduction um, that you saw happen that translated into some pretty meaningful success. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's two, I think, two great stories. And, and both of them I attribute to not only the, the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, but include ventures and further jobs for the future. Uh, one is a clean tech company founded in Los Angeles by the name of uh, Charger Help. Charger Help was founded by a young lady by the name of Camille Terry. And the reason why I think relationships are good, were important in that, in that build was that um, before Green Tech Noir, before all that, we met at an accelerator uh, in person during the days that we were all in person back together um, as she was very building our company. And that relationship we, we met, we carried on throughout the life of the company. That was probably about four years ago. And throughout the relationship, three of the organizations I was affiliated with investing in this particular company, both at the LACI or LACI standpoint, include standpoint and also JFF standpoint. Um, but also too, that company allowed the community around me and her merged to where a lot of my networks ended up helping her and ended up investing in her just because of the conversation we had. Another example that I think is really interesting is another company called Spark Charge based in Buffalo. Uh, and the reason why I think that's important is I'm here in the, law, in the West Coast. Spark Charge is in the, in the East Coast, of course. But that relationship occurred because of technology and occurred because of this life that we were living in a post-pandemic world of utilizing technology to connect, just like we're doing right now with you in Chicago and me in Los Angeles. And so I think those are really two great examples about how networks matter, but also how technology can help those relationships extend and grow and mature. And then how as investors or even people in the business can benefit from that maturity. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, maybe speaking of technology, although this is that's one piece of the puzzle in my mind, I certainly see you as someone who's like prolific, who has not only like lots of content and the like that you're sharing, but also lots of relationships that you're maintaining. I'd love yeah. to hear how you operationalize that. Like, are there practices and habits that you regularly perform, frameworks that you take, tools that make things easier? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're asking for the secret sauce, so definitely. Um, one of the things <laughs> I always learned for me is that um, take less and give more. And for me, that also means information. And so a lot of times when, when I see people on, let's use platforms such as LinkedIn, sharing information, it's typically about themselves, about their achievements. And my thing is that's fine and good, but let me share things about people in my network's achievements. 
let me highlight those individuals as well and kind of create this this sense of this truly sense of global community. And, and one would say, well, how do you do that? You know, for me, um, I love technology. I love simplifying a lot of things. So as an example, uh, using Google Alerts to find out companies or founders I'm interested in, then using a technology like IFTTT, if this, then that, that takes those articles, particularly after I read them and they repost them on my social media, then tying my LinkedIn social media to my, to my, into my Twitter or X now, uh, as it's called, and others. And so that's just mm -hmm. a, a perfect example of how I've used technology to not only share information that I think is important about my relationships and my network, but also do it in a way to where I can still have my day-to-day -day work and I'm not in behind a desk and just tweeting and, and posting everything else. The other thing I would say too for me is that uh, as an investor, as a person in this space, you want to consume as much information as possible. And that's why I love the fact that a lot of our content that we see, they make it audio. Because for me, I can listen and listen more while I'm reading something else, being able to multitask, but primarily listen to a lot of things, including these glasses that are speakers that I have on as well and mics. But but I think that for me, that's been the, the greatest point of, of not only brand building, but relationship building is showing people that, yes, I'm paying attention to you. Uh, I'm paying attention to you because I'm sharing information about you. And I don't have any direct benefit, immediate direct benefit, but the benefit that, that we're getting in this relationship is I'm depositing into that relationship instead of just simply withdrawing. A, a lot of people do that often where they withdraw from their relationship, they ask, they ask and ask instead of depositing or giving. And I, and I think that that's been one of the things that have made a lot of relationships that I've had last longer, been more effective because people see that that relationship is not just extractive, but it's additive. No, absolutely. Um, I'm a part of the Techstars network and the give first mantra is definitely something that uh, is expressed through that the entirety of that network. And I think you certainly personify a lot of it. Um, I'd be curious if you pick like specific subsets of the network that you choose to perhaps like nurture or deposit more into in that way, or if it ends yeah. up being a bit more organic based off of what you're coming across. Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's a little bit more structured. Of course, as I mentioned before, as a co-founder, co-founding co advisor of Green Tech Noir, as a, as a benefit for those being in that community, I definitely ensure that I'm looking at information for individuals there and share that first. And plus, is in my my area of expertise of climate. Um, I, I think if I was a generalist, it'll be a little bit more difficult because there's a wider swath of things that you would have to manage and take care of. But because the area that I'm in is very specific and there's there's a lot of pieces within climate as well, climate investing and clean tech, there's a lot of pieces within it. But when we're talking about the type of, of, of individuals that I want to highlight, people of color, people from undeserved, underrepresented communities, um, I think it's a little bit more easier to manage. But yeah, I'll start first with individuals that are in uh, Green Tech Noir, individuals that are in Latinx and sustainability and brought in the green space to share their information and their wins and a lot of the articles about that. Um, and then also, too, one of the things I realized is that uh, social media is, is less, again, less about the the me in it, but it's about the we. And so in addition to sharing information from the people in those networks, I realized that some people in those same networks that are in this in the climate space, they, they might be open or they want to hear about other things that are happening that they may have missed. So I end up becoming this little bit of a, of a news center for my network as well. So again, for me, what that means is that I'm giving my network something as opposed to extracting, as opposed to having them share things about me. Um, and then what I see often is that when that occurs, when you do that, you don't have to ask people to share information about you. You don't have to ask people to share your articles because they'll see it 
they'll share it for you and they become your cheerleaders, which makes it a little bit more authentic, I believe. Um, and so that's one of the ways that I've looked at that and, and my theory about relationship building and relationship management, because I think a lot of times too, people concentrate so much on the building of relationship, they fail to concentrate on the nurturing and the management of those relationships as well. Absolutely. Um, one other interesting angle that I think most of our listeners would be pretty interested in hearing about is you at Include Ventures not only invest in companies, but you also work really closely with other emerging managers, like through the accelerator program that you have, and then over time directly through the fund itself. I'd love to hear if you've seen any interesting best practices from managers that you work with from a relationship management, relationship nurturing side um, that you think are particularly good or compelling. Absolutely. And, and first, let me say, you know, Include Ventures is a fund to fund first. So the first piece of the, the business is about fund to fund management. And yes, we have a sister organization, VC Include, that creates these cohorts. Think of it like an accelerator for fund managers or fund ones that get that go through that and went on a third cohort. And then there's a direct investment side where we co-invest with our fund managers with a with a direct investment vehicle. Um, I, I think for the fund managers, what I what I love and what I've seen is that you know, when, you, when you're a founder, sometimes founders go through these acceleration programs and you build this, this bit of a cohort, you become a fraternity or a sorority even uh, of founders because you're going through the same same things and, and same, of the, same of the issues. A lot of times with the fund managers, you don't get that because it's kind of, um, you know, you're, you're spending half your time fundraising, so you don't really have time to build these true relationships outside of those you, you feel like they can be capital to you. But what I've seen a lot more within the cohorts, the first three cohorts of VC included, and then subsequently from the funds that we invested in is that they've built that, that idea of that uh, non-extractive relationship where they're sharing information and realizing that they're not necessarily competitors because they're focusing on different things, but they're collaborators to ensure that the market kind of lift up. And, and it's that whole idea that we've heard so many times that a rising tide lift boats. I think phrases like that are often said, but I think with fund managers and the ones we've worked at, we've seen it come into into actual real life where they're realizing that um, that can be something that can happen. One of the th examples that I would give from that that I've seen on the fund manager side is that we had a cohort that was interested in creating a special purpose vehicle to invest in their own funds. So it was, uh, I think, about 10 of them in this cohort. And what they were talking about was that, well, you know, we're all fundraising at the same time. Why don't we put some of our own money aside, put into a, you know, a, a special purpose vehicle to invest in all of us together and, and kind of show some other folks as well. And through those conversations, there were different organizations that were interested in matching that because they saw that, that that collaborative spirit because everybody had this issue that they were facing that they wanted to solve um, together. So I think that's been something that's really interesting that we've seen also. One other thing I've been seeing on the fund manager side is that I think the mistake that fund managers make, similar to founders, is that I used to talk to founders and they were like, if I get this capital, if I get an investment, everything's done. And I would ask them, well, what happens after you get the investment, right? Like there's a reality once you get it, then the other parts of really managing that has been key. And I think the fund managers have seen that and some of the ones that we've seen and we provided funding for them for about a year ago is that, you know, in addition to raising money as a fund manager, you have all these other expenses that you need to take care of, legal expenses, marketing expenses, what have you. And one of the things that we did was provide grants to 10 climate funds uh, that was non-recoverable um, that went into the GP that allowed them to have a little bit more of a, of a breathing room and, and freedom to either pay some of those legal bills or either pay some some analysis to ensure that their process and their thesis was 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 airtight. 
but it just kind of reduced a lot of that pressure. And so I think what, what we're seeing now is more so for the fund managers is that you need to find partners and network and find partners that are interested in providing more than just LP capital because we need it, yes. But some of these other types of, of alternative capital from a GP standpoint or others can be extremely beneficial and, and really make you kind of have that leap a little bit further. Now, it's incredibly useful information. And I think for so many fund managers who we talk to at Four Degrees, it's a common conversation we have is, yes, it's important to maintain relationships with founders and others in the ecosystem, but it's even more important in some ways to, to maintain the relationship with the LP. Uh, and yet it feels like most people are focused on that initial, how do I close the fund versus yeah. the ongoing relationship management over the long run. Yeah. And further, I would say that there's a relationship that people have to, we, we began this conversation about storytelling. The reason why that's important is because often people are going to tell your story. The way that you control is ensure you have those great relationships because they can either tell a story that's false about what you're doing. They can tell a misinformed story because they've heard so many different versions of it, or they can tell the right story at the right time and what you need it. And, and I think that's, again, going back to the whole idea of maintaining those relationships, giving first, and really being crystal clear on what you're providing so that way is no confusion is just a really great opportunity to tell the story of you as a, as a person and a fund manager. Yeah, no, definitely a takeaway for me from this episode so far is just the power of storytelling and how not only does that wind through your ability to raise capital and to have these sorts of conversations, um, but how that tied to giving first and building on that relationship over time allows your story to be in rooms that you're not in. Um, and I can see how that translates into plenty of benefits for people in lot, all sorts of different careers. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to actually, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it. No, go ahead, please. Hmm. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'd love to maybe wrap with a final question for you, which is I'd love to hear what you think the single biggest lesson that you've learned about relationship management is, whether it's in the private markets or otherwise, that you think most people just get wrong. Having great tools, which is so apropos given this podcast and given four degrees. Hmm. Um, you know, for me, when we talk about relationships, and, and I would say this is that it's more than just about knowing a person's name, knowing where they work, it's about actually knowing them. Um, and I think that's one of the things I've been excited about by your product um, and, and some others is that you get to have this well rounded view of this person more than just a job and a title. And, and I, be I believe that that really kind of shrinks the world down. When we would have conversations, whether those are with other funders who are looking to fund us, other partners, other other VCs, um, other investments that we want to make, one of the things I always try to do is ensure what were the common ground, what were the commonalities. As an example, if I may, when you and I met, we talked about this link to Texas because uh, I recognize the the phone number, the cell number that you had, and so I think that for me, it's all about taking in this information. And really, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence, we talk about tools to use, but really humans, we are one of the greatest computers ever made, right? And so part of that really is really understanding and listening. And I think a lot of times too, we, we fail to do that because we're so mirror focused on what we need to get out of the relationship, again, that distractionism. But if we, we take a step back and think more additive, we'll see those connections there. And I think those connections will allow for a stronger long-term bond and allow us to use technology more effectively for ourselves. Yeah, no, it's a very powerful lesson. I'm a, actually a huge proponent of technology, but even outside of technology, I agree that there's human intelligence uh, that really drives so much of what we're able to do from a relationship standpoint with people. 
Absolutely. Gosh, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for being willing to take the time with us. Yes, first, where can people find you? Absolutely. Well, definitely if you're using the Four Degrees app, uh, you'll be able to find me because if you email me, you'll see it. But LinkedIn, definitely find me on my full name, Taj Ahmad Eldridge. On social media platforms, Econo Ahmad, just think economics and Ahmad kind of mixed together, Econo Ahmad. Um, but definitely, this has been a great, great conversation. I appreciate it. And I think just at the end, what what love for people to think about is that, you know, we, we have these tools that are beneficial for us for a reason to help find and nurture these relationships. And we just had to make sure we're, we're putting in what we want so we can get out what we want as well. Couldn't agree more. Thank you yeah. so much, Tash. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.